Hey, it's Scott from Who Cares About Men's Health, and I wanted to share with you a little mini-series I've been working on with our favorite dietitian, Teresa Dvorak. You might remember Teresa from the Man Meals Challenge. Well, she's back, and I'm back with a brand new group of people for a new challenge called the Make More Meals at Home Challenge. If you want to participate, you can find the recipes at cooking.thescoperadio.com. That's cooking.thescoperadio.com. And for the second recipe, we all had to make a roasted chicken. Pretty intimidating for most of us, but it actually turned out pretty good. And it's not as hard as you might think. So this week, I invite you, Who Cares listeners, to join the challenge and see how simple it is to make an impressive bird with just a little bit of direction. Bon appetit. Which is fancy French for enjoy the food, I think. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Congratulations! You made your first meal in the four-week make-your-own-meals challenge. And today, we're going to find out what the U of U Health cooking crew thought about sweet potato and black bean chili with cornbread. And then Teresa's going to give us recipe number two in the challenge, which you can also find online, cooking.thescoperadio.com. First of all, let's introduce our recipe architect and nutrition expert, Teresa Dvorak, registered dietitian and director of culinary medicine in the University of Utah College of Health's Department of Nutrition and Integrative Physiology. Teresa, welcome to another episode of Cooking with the U of U Health crew. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> I like the enthusiasm. I gotta switch it up every once in a while. That's good. That's good. <laughs> all right. So, Teresa, some members of the cooking crew last week, they were a little surprised. I don't know if they were skeptical or not, but they were definitely surprised there was no meat in the chili recipe that you gave us last week. And now we've all made it. We've all tried it. We're going to talk about what we thought. We're going to talk about the process. Did we run into any obstacles? Were there any successes in this challenge of making our meals at home? Are you nervous at all to find out what the crew thought? I mean, is there anyone in particular you're concerned might not have liked it? Feel free to call them out. <laughs> <laughs> well, l- l- oh gosh, I hope they all liked it. Um, I know there may have been some, you know, apprehension. Um, and so I I want to hear what your taste buds thought. Oh, you know, okay. I think this is I'm I'm really interested to hear of like the struggle in between like this tasted really good. But my um, my media brain is telling me something different. Right. Because the media and society and everybody's told us chili is meat. That's that's what chili is. <laughs> yes. Right. Chili right. has meat in it. So it's a little bit of a, a mind shift. Uh, Nayeli member of the U of U Health cooking crew, you were the first one to bring up the where's the meat. So let's go to you first. What was your take? So first of all, I think I need to start off by giving a rating from my roommates because that's my my most important opinion for me. Okay. <laughs> so I got a nine out of 10 rating for <laughs> my meal. Listen, I don't know why it was 9 out of 10 and not 10 out of 10, but you know what? It's okay. I'll take it. I'll take it. It's not there. 9 out of 10. So how many reasons? You forget that it's not just the the four of you, but it's the four of you plus Nayeli's roommates. Roommates. Exactly. The bar is even higher. So did each roommate give a 9 or did you add them all up and then average them out? No, well, I will say only one of them just gave me a rating. I should have asked the other one for a rating, but <laughs> <laughs> but they both said it was good. Okay. Okay. All right. So hey. overall, they ate um, it. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. All right. How about you, Nayeli? What did you give it? You're doing the nine out, or you're doing the out of ten rating system. What did you think? I'm I'm gonna keep it at a nine out of ten. Okay. Yeah, so again, you're don't know the ten out of ten, but okay. <laughs> just you hesitated a little bit, but you you're, you felt good about it. I was really thrown off by the meat. So again, like going into this recipe, I was like, I wonder if it's still gonna taste like you know, like chili, like the way that I am used to tasting it. But um, no, it was great. I love sweet potato. Like it was just like, it was, it was really good overall. I will say though, I did add a little something in there that I don't know if I was supposed to. Oh no. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> okay. Teresa, what Teresa, was it? What was it? You need so, to scold Nyella here? <laughs> <laughs> no, well, let's hear what it was first and then we'll go from there. Okay. <laughs> so when I, let's say, okay, when it was all done and I had everything, like all the ingredients on the list in there, I still felt like, I don't know. I, it, it tasted a little too tomatoey for me. So what I ended up doing is I added some beef bouillon. Okay. And I, yeah. I, yeah, it just, sure. it just, for me, it, it just made it taste better. Okay. Was that a good choice? I mean, if it was too tomatoey to throw in a little beef bouillon? Yeah, that's very reasonable. Um, and and certainly she could have also thought about increasing some of the other spices too, like the chili powder or the cayenne to let some of that smokiness come through a little bit more. But the boyan definitely enhanced the, the savoriness without yes. adding a lot of additional um, saturated fat or cholesterol or things like that that would have... If she had used beef instead of just the beef bouillon. Probably okay. added a little bit more sodium too, right? Definitely added some sodium. Yeah. So if that's a concern, maybe um, the spices would be a better route because they wouldn't necessarily introduce more sodium into the recipe. So Alex, what was the verdict on the first recipe? It was really good. I want to start off with that. It was very yummy. It was very filling. I even, I even added some hot sauce to it. Um, it was it was delicious. We really did enjoy it. I will say, husband was missing some meat. <laughs> yeah, because he's a carnivore. Uh -huh. You've already brought this up. Yep, yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. So uh -huh. missing a little bit of meat, which you know that's fine. He still ate it and enjoyed it. Um, and so that was the verdict. We really did love it. I was nervous about the cornbread, just baking it and um, doing all of that. But it was super simple. And now I have the ingredients for next time if I want to make some bread. Yeah. So now your husband missing the meat. What was it? Was it the texture? And maybe Teresa, you could even help with like, was it the texture? Was it just the thought of meat? Was it the actual flavor? I mean, I, I don't know if I can taste the meat and chili or not now that I think about it. Like, yeah. Did you, did you drill down? Yeah. So I, I was like, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm sitting there me as well. Like we're very set into the, like, this is what I eat every morning and for lunch and for dinner. And then the weekends we have cheat days and then we go back on this regimen and trying to change that mindset is really something I'm trying to do um, and open to doing. And so teaching myself um, that these nutrients are good for you and they're providing fuel for your body um, and to not be scared of it. So um, definitely something we're trying to overcome. Thoughts on that, Teresa? I love that. And, and it takes time. And we just, we have to give ourselves a, a little bit of grace and space to allow for that transition and that transformation to happen because we have been bombarded by these messages for so long, for, for many of us our entire lives that uh, 
carbs are bad and that the only way to manage your weight is to not eat carbs or to eat low fat or to eat, you know, a very regimented um, meat eating pattern. And to that end, you know, we are very, we're habitual eaters. Um, if we, we take most folks, they, they eat very similar types of foods or, um, ingredients to their foods. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just thinking about, you know, am I, am I being more restrictive than what is really healthy for me? Um, and can I make space for some of these other foods and can I find enjoyment, um, and still meet my health goals, um, at the same time? Johnny, what is the verdict? We need a rating system or something like a thumbs up or thumbs down, or I don't know, like maybe a clever little saying in the trash or in the recipe stash. I, do you I think, think, I have, I think I have one for you? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, let's say three beans is like, eh. ah! and like eight cornbreads, it's amazing. Then <laughs> I ate this uh, 50 chili bowls on a fall night. <laughs> Does that work? I don't. I'm confused. What did you? What did you think? Three beaner. Three <laughs> beaner. What did you think, Johnny? All right. So before I give my official rating, I will make a note because I, I don't know if my taste buds have been compromised, but last week I got COVID, oh. and so that was my oh. challenge last week. Mm-hmm. So so one of my roommates made it, made it for everybody, and then brought it to me in my little room that I've been stuck in for the past week <laughs> and I had it and honestly I I liked it I really like I like the the sweetness of it and it's actually one of the things that made me it made me think about was my relationship with food because generally I think about food as being something that I have to really enjoy or it's something that like maybe something that I liked as a kid or something I couldn't have as a kid. And so for me, that's the relationship I have with food. But because I'm sick and eat and I have to eat, it became more of a practical type thing. It's like my body needs fuel and here's the fuel. That's a really great point, Johnny. And, and you know, you started to, to make this connection of, you know, you were sick and needing to, to eat to, you know, nourish yourself, um, to recover from illness. And, you know, that's something we can think about. Food is definite, can be a, a medicine for us. And if we're feeding our bodies with good things, um, we're giving it the fuel, the nutrients to be able to fight illness and, you know, to help us live longer, more energetic, healthful lives. Um, And so reframing a little bit of what are some of the other roles or or purposes of food during our um, or in our choices can be can be helpful too when especially when we're making transitions away um, or to a more plant forward eating pattern of really thinking about the goodness that I'm putting into my body. Um, All right. So I created my own radio system. I just want everybody to picture just my head wearing a chef hat and I'm smiling and winking at you. 
I would give this recipe five Scott heads wearing chef hats, smiling and winking out of you, winking at you out of five Scott heads wearing chef hats, smiling and winking. I really liked it a lot. Nice. Um, this is going to be one I'm going to throw in my recipe stash. Uh, I thought it had really great flavor and texture. And it was kind of everything that I'd want from a comfort food. And it was nutritious as well. I think I, this is something I could eat, you know, over and over and over. And it's a recipe that's easy and I'd like to be able to memorize it. So when I'm at the grocery store, I'm like, oh, what, what do I need to do for food this week? Oh, I'll just go to Chili and I know what the ingredients are. And when I get home, I don't have to stop and look at the recipe. I can just crank it out and, you know, reduce some of that friction, some of that barrier of making food and have it be a little bit more second nature. I'd like to have a few recipes like that. And I think this one could fit that bill. This chili is really kind of a, a pantry staple recipe um, is one thing that I like about it because um, I often think about making sure that I have um, a variety of foods, not only in my um, non-perishable pantry cupboards, but then also in my refrigerator and things that are just always on my grocery list um, or making sure that I always have these on hand. So I always have a couple cans of beans in my pantry. Um, and this soup, it really wouldn't matter what kind of bean you put in it. You've got beans in it. I always have a can of diced tomatoes in my pantry. Then I can make soups. I could make a quick pasta sauce. I could do a, a baked ziti or what have you. And I've got tomatoes ready to go. I always have onions. Sweet potatoes are another um, staple that I pretty much always have in my refrigerator, in my pantry. And so I love that of having some of these recipes that are always just kind of easy access, whether it's I know that I need to pick up these groceries at the store, um, you know, every month or what have you. So I have them on hand um, or then just making sure that, you know, we're looking at what do I have in my pantry and can I make slight changes to certain recipes and still have very similar flavors. I did make a couple of adjustments as well. So we had some chili spice mix that just happened to be around the, the kitchen from a CSA that we belong to. And we've got like five of these packets from the five, past five years. So I use that. I have no idea what was in it, but it said chili spice mix. So why not? Perfect. Um, so it, mine may have tasted a little different as a result of that. And then the other thing I did was mine was watery, even after simmering 15 extra minutes, more watery than I wanted it. So my wife, who is been doing this longer than I have suggested putting in a small can of tomato paste. So that really thickened it up to a consistency that I really, really liked. And then I also threw in a dollop of Greek yogurt, which made it even creamier. So those were my little modifications that I thought just really made it super savory and super thick and really satisfying. So. Excellent. Great, yeah. great ideas. I love that. From a cooking standpoint, vocabulary, technique, or et cetera, is there anything that the cooking crew wishes they would have asked before you started making last week's recipe? Did you run anything in anything in the kitchen or the grocery store or anywhere that gave you any trouble or was it pretty easy peasy? Um, let's start with Nayeli on this one. Um, I think one of the things that I struggled with when I went to the grocery store is looking for, specifically, I struggled looking for cornmeal. Cause I, I just, I'm not a baker. <laughs> so I really struggled looking for that, but like, yeah. Like where I mean, it was in the store, you couldn't find it. You didn't like, know where to I go. I found or... it in the baking. Like I know it was uh, in the baking aisle, but I was like, 
what the heck? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Even yeah. like, I had to look it up. Like, I had to Google cornmeal and find like a brand and kind of like look at like what I'm looking for in the grocery store. Oh, like what the package looks like. Yes. Yeah, I've done that before. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> but yeah, that, I think. Uh, pretty minor, pretty minor yeah, issue. Yeah. Yeah, could good. have been, could have been something else, but no, that yeah. was, that was one of my struggles. <laughs> Alex, how about you? I actually had the same issue. <laughs> I am cornbread, which honestly happens to me on like a regular shopping basis when I'm trying to cook new things. So this isn't like anything out of the ordinary where I'm like going on the website and trying to find which aisle it's on, mainly because I'm on the aisle and I just can't find it. So yeah, it was like a packaging thing because I normally don't use cornmeal. So yeah, that can be frustrating if you're just trying to learn how to cook and start cooking and you you spend an hour and a half trying to find this. Yeah, you know, and don't be afraid to ask. There's always workers um, and employees walking around, especially those folks that are doing the... Um, the the shopping for people you know the like the click cart or the instacart kind of folks um they know where everything is in the grocery store they're kind of my go-to um for where is the cornmeal or what have you all right Teresa. sounds like the first week was a success uh let's see if we can go two for two yeah go ahead and congratulate yourself uh what are we making <laughs> is literally high now i've got to i gotta maintain it yeah you do so how are you gonna do that <laughs> all right so we are we're bringing in some we're bringing in some animal product for your meat lovers out there um and we are going to maybe step outside of the box a little bit and i'm gonna ask you all to roast a whole chicken how y'all feel about that alex <laughs> how do you feel about roasting a chicken <laughs> i'm so scared <laughs> I don't even know where you buy that. <laughs> I think I don't know if I visit a farm or. Oh, well, you what? could, or you could go to Kroger. Okay, <laughs> you just let me know what I Teresa. I have no idea. Um, Nayeli, how are you feeling about a whole chicken? Is this something you've done before? I think. <laughs> We did not come to play when we said this is a cooking challenge because that sounds so intimidating. I'm like scared. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Johnny? You you actually probably have done this before. You like chicken. Yeah, I actually, yeah, I have. Okay. <laughs> I've, uh, I've uh, roasted a chicken, whole chicken and turkey before. All right. I don't so, do it on a recurring basis though. So we'll okay. see what happens. All right. So a whole roasted chicken. What else is on the menu, Teresa? We are also going to do a quinoa pilaf with uh, mixed vegetables and the whole grain quinoa. Uh, and then we are also going to do a roasted Brussels sprouts with garlic and olive oil. I don't know. This sounds like a week four challenge. This no, sounds like no, no, no. Oh, sure. you just wait for week four. No, I'm oh, man. All right. <laughs> you guys are so strong. So <clears throat> when I think about um, helping folks to uh, cook on a budget, have flexibility um, to stretch one meal and morph it into multiple other meals. The thing I really think about is a, ch a whole roasted chicken. My mother was like 
the queen of how many meals could she get out of one roasted chicken? There were seven of us in the family. I swear she could make one chicken last three or four meals. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not expecting that, but roasting it the first time and we have our initial roasted chicken meal um, and then we can morph it. We can put it into sandwiches. We could do a chicken salad. I could shred it and put it on a grain bowl. I could shred it and put it on a salad. Um, Lots of different possibilities. And then using the whole bird, that kind of final stage, um, you could certainly boil the the bones and the carcass with um, an assortment of vegetables and make your own chicken stock. So when we're thinking about kind of using the whole animal, this is very much one of those spaces where I'm kind of providing you the tools and the space to try it out. All right. So uh, roasting a chicken sounds like kind of a cornerstone of being able to do some other easy meals. We might not have those skills or those thoughts right now, but just down the line, we would. Um, yes. talk, yeah. Talk about quinoa. Has anybody here made quinoa before or eaten quinoa? Johnny? I, I actually do have a question about what even is quinoa and am I saying it right? <laughs> yes, you're, yes, you are. Quinoa. It's a whole grain. Um, quinoa is very uh, high in protein. So when we think about our grains um, and having all of the essential amino acids, most of our grains and vegetables are missing one or two. Our animal products, our dairy, our meats, our eggs will have all of those essential amino acids in one serving kind of thing. Quinoa, soy are examples of plant products that contain all of those essential amino acids. Um, And so what we call kind of either a a complete protein or having all of those essentials. Um, And so quinoa is very high in fiber. It's high in protein uh, in our vitamins and minerals certainly as well. So you'll find quinoa uh, where you find other grains. So typically you'll go to the aisle of the grocery store where you would find rice or bagged rice and you'll find quinoa in those spaces as well. And then, yeah, the roasted Brussels sprouts with garlic and olive oil. That sounds up class restaurant right there. (laughs) So Um, good. So good. Yeah, but it looks it looks. Yeah, and it is good if you have ever had Brussels sprouts at restaurants. and It looks pretty simple, too. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And, you know, Brussels sprouts are are in that um, coniferous vegetables and really feed our gut. So when we think about kind of a, a healthy gut biome, having things like Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, broccoli are all going to kind of provide an environment for all of those healthy gut bacteria to live and flourish. Um, And so this is a really tasty one. A lot of times folks are like, we'll enjoy Brussels sprouts at a restaurant, um, but then struggle with making them at home. And I think this recipe, cooking them at a high temperature, like the 450, helps to caramelize them uh, a little bit more, gets them a little bit roasty, um, which is really the key of keeping them away from kind of the mushy cafeteria Brussels sprouts from like elementary school to delicious 
five-star restaurant. All right. So any questions for Teresa as you look over the recipe? Just going to leave it open to you. Anything that you need answered? Uh, Nayeli, do you have any questions? Actually, before you go, Nayeli, I want to say uh, something to Teresa. Could I just get a rotisserie chicken at the grocery store? I feel like <sighs> it would be easier and cheaper. <laughs> Oh, that is. That's, <laughs> oh, Scott. I think I've offended her. You're, she's, missing, she's, you're missing the point. What's what's the point? <laughs> what am I so, missing? No, no, no. So I think so. Part of it is the the cost saving by roasting it yourself, roasting a chicken and kind of getting over that initial hurdle. Roasting a whole chicken is extremely easy. Okay. We we have this idea that it's going to be really hard. Um, I will say one thing. If you have a meat thermometer, it will make knowing when that chicken is done so much easier because all you have to do is pierce that breast meat uh, with, or the leg meat with that uh, instant read thermometer and you're going to know when's the perfect time to take that chicken out of the oven. Yeah, Alex, did you hear that? So you don't have a dry chicken. I actually have a question about that because I'm notorious for drying out tri- chicken. Um, with a thermometer, do you leave it in the whole time or do you just stick the thermometer in when you think time is getting close? I have a digital one, but I just don't trust it. The digital ones are actually... Um, much more accurate. You typically don't have to calibrate them as much as as some of the um, more simple thermometers can be. Uh, And so you would just, once it gets close to the time, so on the recipe, it says to roast the chicken uncovered for one and a quarter to one and a half hours. So when you get to about that one and a quarter hour, you can check the temperature of the chicken um, and you'll know then, okay, it's at 155. I want to take it out at about 175. So if it's at that kind of too early, leave it in for another 15, 20 minutes and then check it again. Um, The dryness is really from overcooking it. And so that that 175 is a great kind of sweet spot. You don't run the risk of it being undercooked, uh, but yet you're not going so high, 185, 195, uh, that you're going to end up with a dried out chicken or even if you're doing turkey or, or a larger bird or something of that sort. Nayeli, I skipped over you. Let's come back to you. Do you have any questions for Teresa on these recipes? Um, I have a like small curiosity of for one of the ingredients in the quinoa. Oh my gosh, I quinoa. Uh-huh. Quinoa. <laughs> um I saw that um you need a can of coconut milk. I'm kind of just curious as to why, like, I don't know, is that typically what someone would use when making this? Or it's just like I've never used coconut milk like to make anything. So. Oh, you're in yeah, for a treat. Right. So <laughs> coconut milk, it's real so not typically. Um, okay. When you're making any kind of grain, um, the most simple preparation is just with water. So for quinoa, it's about a two to one ratio. So one cup of dried quinoa to two cups of liquid. So in this recipe, we're doing um, one can of coconut milk and one can of water. So it's going to be just just over kind of that two cups. 
Um, and it's going to give you just this kind of delicious coconut flavor undertone with the vegetables. You can do either a light coconut milk or a regular coconut milk. Um, the main difference is the saturated fat level. And that too will, is just going to add to the savoriness of this dish um, and kind of help with the um, satisfaction level. And you're going to find coconut milk uh, in one of two places. Um, So if there's an Asian section of your grocery store, uh, it'll be found, it'll be found there kind of by the Thai foods. If we think about curry, um, that's coconut milk is a a primary ingredient for curries Um, or then in the baking aisle as well. So maybe around where you find um, kind of sweetened condensed milk, um, evaporated milk, you might find coconut milk in that same space too. Johnny, any questions for Teresa? Uh, I don't have any questions. I do have a tip for the chicken and Teresa can correct me if I'm way off, but, uh, so as to not deal with the whole thawing process, because that can be a real pain in the neck, just either buy the chicken on the day that you're cooking it, or if you're going to buy it uh, beforehand, try to do it the day before and then just put it in the fridge instead of the freezer. So, Teresa, is that okay or have I been poisoning people all this time? <laughs> no, that's perfect. Buy that chicken uh, in the the fresh meat department. Um, and then you can keep it in your refrigerator up to about three, four days would be really kind of the ultimate max two to three days as ideal. Alex, anything else before we get cooking? Oh, I have a lot of questions, but I'll try. (laughs) No, I'll try to keep it to, um, a minimum. So I guess one thing more so about all of this meal as a whole, um, it does seem like a lot. Like now we're just, we're not cooking just one or two things. Like now it's three items, which the ingredients look really simple. For me, I'm just imagining my toddler just screaming, crying, wanting me to play with her. So now this is the time where I have to, now I have to cut out time and I'm, I'm a little apprehensive, but I, I think I can do it. Um, so that's, I feel like might be my barrier here. If you have any advice on how I can avoid, minimize cooking time. The chicken is really a few minutes to prep it and then it goes in the oven and you don't have to worry about it. So part of this is like, is planning when you're going to do what. Um, And so the Brussels sprouts, you can prep ahead of time. You could even prep them the day before if that was something that um was helpful in your kind of day of time management. Same thing with the vegetables in the quinoa pilaf. There's some chopping there. um, But at the same time, you're not using the entire bell pepper unless you make a larger batch, which would be perfectly fine too. Um, That you could do some of this prep at an alternate time if that kind of day of is going to be challenging and time crunched. So that's one way of think about the prep ahead of time. Or even thinking about some of these vegetables are prepped in the produce section. And so you could grab some of those pre-prepped vegetables. I've even seen Brussels sprouts 
pre-chopped. Um, so you could look at that too, or frozen mixed vegetables. That's another great way to minimize that prep um, that you can just pull out those frozen vegetables and it's going to be pretty similar in taste. Perfect. Thanks. That was my second question was the use of frozen vegetables. So thank you. I have one question here that I want to, well, actually two. First of all, the uh, recipe, one of the recipes calls for Italian seasoning. Is that what it's called? Do I just go to the store and I find a container that says Italian seasoning? Yes. Okay, great. Yes. So it's a combination. So it's uh, typically it's parsley, basil, oregano, um, Maybe there's some sometimes garlic, not usually, but it's kind of those green uh, leafy spices or uh, herbs that are in that mix. Yep. Right. And then the, the thing that really intimidates me, and I've done whole chickens before, a couple of them, is this very last word in the recipe, carving, <laughs> carving a chicken. <laughs> um, any advice? I mean, just go to a YouTube video or do you have any other tips or whatever? I feel like I mutilate the chicken. That word carving should be mutilating. Ideally, what you're going for is to make your slices at the joint of the, of the bird. Um, and so Sometimes it's just doing an initial slice through the skin so that you can expose more of that joint and know where to cut. Letting it rest for that 10 minutes is going to be really helpful because if we try and carve it too early, it's going to be really hot and you're not going to be able to use your hands to move the legs around or the wings around. So let it cool slightly. And then for the breast, you're going to want to slice right down along the edge of the breastbone um, and kind of you make one vertical line down and then a horizontal one across kind of perpendicular to your countertop. Do, do all of you have a uh, roasting pan for this chicken? Nile, Johnny? No. Alex? Yeah. Nope. So what, what, what do we do? If Do you all have, so your, what you baked your cornbread in, so like a nine by nine baking dish? That would be big enough and fine. Or a cake pan, like a rectangular oh, yeah. nine by 13 cake pan. I have that. That too is a roasting pan. Oh. Okay. So th those types of things would work. Yep, exactly. If or you know, you could even do it if you've got um, like a a cast iron or an enamel oven safe pot that you're using on your stovetop. The big thing is is that you really don't want it deeper than you know four inches. Um, four to six inches is probably as deep of a pan as you would want it to be. Otherwise, it's not going to brown and roast. Um, it'll still cook. It just won't look as pretty. Okay. Um, but you could use a stovetop pan as long as it's oven safe. Right. Well. That, and that handle probably is a exactly. big. Exactly. You want to make sure that there's no rubber on it, that it's right. it's either full full metal or full enamel. Okay. All right. Uh, what about those kind of tin foil kind of roasting things you, you see in the store. Yep. You could certainly get some those single use roasting pans. That's perfect as well. Okay. But the four inches sounds like it's kind of the important thing. You don't want any deeper than four inches and big enough for the chicken to sit in. Yep. Exactly. Time to go make the recipe, share it with your family, friends, roommates. We'll talk about how it was and how it went in the next episode. And you, the listener, we sure hope that you'll take the four-week Make Your Own Meals Challenge. Now, this is recipe number two, so if you missed the first one, 
If you go to cooking.thescoperadio.com and click take the challenge, that'll subscribe you to the free podcast that you're listening to right now. We talk about the first recipe. You can also find the recipes at cooking.thescoperadio.com. Make it and then tell us how it went. Post pictures on social media. Tell us what you thought. How did it taste? What challenges did you face? You can share any of your insights, setbacks, or successes on our social media channels. Facebook.com slash health On Instagram, at Health. The hashtag is M-Y-O-M challenge. Make your own meals challenge. And you can also email us at hello at thescoperadio.com. The cooking crew will return next week with our take on this recipe. And Teresa will bring another recipe, recipe number three for the challenge next week. Thanks for joining us and taking the four-week Make Your Own Meals Challenge.